Contrary to popular uh, belief, as it says, Sonic Talk 302 below me is the one thing I forgot to sort out. It's actually Sonic Talk 303. Everybody, put your hands in the air. <laughs> this is uh, Dilabs Live Jam TB303. You have absolutely no idea how hard it is to find just raw 303 loops on the on the net. Look at them, they're going crazy. Yes, uh, folks, episode 303, I can't believe it. It seems like uh, it's a very important number in uh, music technology. And uh, there it is, 303, yeah, episode 303, I can't believe we made it. I thought we should probably have a party, but we had a party not long ago at 300, So, uh, and I'm still recovering. Much, uh, much thanks to Mr. Dave Spears, who I will go to first, because there he is at... Uh, <sighs> G4 Software Central. In fact, I'd just like to say I've actually got, I've got the original G Media Music oddity. Oh my word! No, it screams like Imposca. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, just it's there. funny, isn't it? Yeah, I can. Yeah, I've still got a few of those. I've still got a few of those as well. I wear, I break them out every once in a while. I, I try to use them for school events. Nothing like screams like a bastard written across your t-shirt. Yeah, talking to parents you don't know very well, people, yeah. and then you realise it suddenly at the last minute. It's like, ah, uh, let me. No, but I, I won't explain. Never mind. Yeah. So, Dave Spears, it looks like it's very sunny where you are, which is nice. Yeah, it's nice outside. I've just been out. As long as you don't have to work inside, obviously, then it's not so nice. That's just nice having a window, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's true. It's, it's, a, a, it's a first for, for you. Uh, of course, uh, over here at Sonic Towers, it's uh, dark. Dark, dark, dark. Here. It's cold. It's cold here, and I'll tell you how cold it is. The local bankers are walking around with their hands in their own pockets. <laughs> hey, yeah, that, that is a gag that's worth having, particularly when we think about one of the first topics that sort of sprung up on us earlier uh, this morning. We will, but I'll, I think we'll use that as a tease because in the meantime, we'll go and say hello to. I'll say hello to Mark, and then we can uh, then we can join our our mystery new guest. In a second. Mark Tinley uh-huh. is over there. Are you looking all um, long again? <laughs> Am I? Yeah, it's this. It's weird. What seems to happen, as soon as Skype gets involved, it does something to... I'm not long, I'm actually wide, which some may say is the you're truth sure, anyway. Well, okay. If I hold that up... Oh, no, that's, that's all right. That's round, isn't it? So that must yeah, be okay. Yeah. So I'm okay. Oh, this is me normal. I'm no longer it like... squished you, yeah. This. How are you, Mark? Mark Tinley, like being sound artist, um, soon to be released... Album maker, in fact. Yeah, I'm. I'm very well, actually. I'm quite excited by that. They've sold half of those box sets already, so that's really exciting because that means that lots of people are going to listen to it, and that's really the goal, isn't it? So just just for those who perhaps don't know, this is the uh, album that you did. What's 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 coming up? TV Mania. TV Mania. That's right. It's the album. The project you... which I did with Nick Rhodes and Warren Cucurulo, and it's on TVManiaMusic.com. Excellent. And it's pre-order uh, is happening now and it's available on March the 11th but there's a limited number of vinyl box sets with lots and lots of vinyl and photographs with scribbling on from Nick and a uh, handwritten note from Warren and all sorts of things it's very exciting Excellent. do you get to contribute anything um, exotic to that as well 
Am I what? Are you contributing Sorry, any, anything exotic to the box set while you're uh, as well? I haven't added anything exotic to it, but I think you should maybe do some geo geotag. <laughs> the coordinates to some geotag thing that you can leave somewhere, the secret secreted in the countryside. That'd be quite thrilling, or maybe not. Anyway, Mark, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, and that chuckle there you've heard is a new guest in the form of Mr. Jem Godfrey, who oh, is hi. right there. Jem is, uh, looks like, well, I can tell you've got, you can tell he's got something to do with music because there's a guitar hanging on the wall. Or is that a ukulele? It's a little tiny travel guitar. Ah, okay. I, I have it there to give the impression I can play the guitar, which I can't. But you can play the keyboards. Uh, Jem Godfrey has a, f- a fairly stunning career, working a lot, which is kind of impressive. And I, I, what I really like about the stuff that you've done is it's just so massively varied. I'm looking at your Wikipedia page, and there's just lists and lists of sort of real arch pop stuff. You know, writing songs, production, uh, Atomic Kitten, Blue, Britannia High, Gareth Gates... The X Factor yes. mob, uh, Samantha Mumba, Ronan Keating. I mean, you know, these are kind of like, you know, the, the, the pinnacle of pop. But at the same time, you're doing um, this kind of really impenetrable prog stuff with uh, a band Frost and playing with kind of big names like Steve Vai and Joe Bonamassa and that kind of thing. So, so welcome, Jem. Joe Bonamassa? I don't know. No, not that. Joe Bonamassa. Joe Satriani. I knew there was That's a Joe in there somewhere. Well, hello. Yes, thank you. It's, it's kind of... Um... I'll do anything to pay the mortgage. <laughs> well, I know which ones would probably pay best, and that's probably the pop, especially if you're writing uh, hit singles. You're the recipient of an Ivan Novello, I believe, right? Yeah, it's kind of... I, it's, well, it's a sort of... Um, I still look back at, at what I've done and think, I, that wasn't me, because it doesn't feel like it ever happened, really. It's kind of a weird sort of... It, it feels like it happened to somebody else. It's such a long time ago now. Is it a very intense period, that that whole kind of pop stuff or, or you know i mean it's looking like there's a you haven't got the dates on all of it but sort of early 2000 going up to 2005 so i mean you know is it is it not still ongoing um no it kind of it's it's that thing of of um you kind of you get to a certain i think you get to a certain age or a certain amount of work and then the pop machine kind of spits you back out the other end after it's put you in and then pulls up all these other young people and sort of does that to them so i kind of i did find myself sort of one day doing it then the next minute i was kind of out the back door going, oh, all right. That was kind of it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. We'll call you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny old game. But it sounds like you were kind of operating at a, you know, a fairly high-octane level there. I mean, it's... Uh, what, I mean, uh, you know, one of the things that I was really interested in is, you know, you're obviously working with some of those uh, X-Factor-type artists. I mean, what's that environment like? I mean, obviously, I imagine you've, you've NDA'd up to the eyeballs, but that is general sort of... Because a lot of those artists you know, presumably only have 20 minutes because they're too busy doing morning TV and all the pop, you know, all the stuff that makes them the product, the music being maybe, maybe a little secondary in some cases, you know, to, to the demands on their time. It was exactly that. I mean, there was, there was one case in point where, um, uh, I think it was, I think it was Atomic Kitten. There was literally, they, um, they were, they had to re-version something, re-vocal something. And they arrived and the cab waited outside and I think they were there for about 35 minutes. They sang the bit and they got stripped back in the cab and went off to a TV studio and that was it. And it's kind of, there wasn't a chance to kind of... Get it right. Yeah, it was just literally (laughs) one shot at the title and then off they go. So it's kind of, yeah, it was... um, it's just it was just a sort of a whirlwind of, of of that kind of those kind of events all the time, really. So, do you get the work there because you can get the best out of the vocalists at that point? I mean, as well as all the other things that you have to do, or is there someone else there who comes in and kind of g's them up and gets them going? Or you know, is that part of what you have to do as well? 
it's part of what you have to do. Yeah, you have to kind of be all literally because you sort of like beforehand you're sitting there with a cup of tea and it's like half ten in the morning and suddenly you have to go oh hi oh and be all showbiz for twenty minutes and they go away again. You go back to having your cup of tea again. So it's kind of like it's just a strange way. It's just a strange experience all round. I'm firing up auto tune. No, I, I, that's probably very <laughs> unkind. I mean, because there is a common perception that uh, that basically there is no talent at, at, at that sort of pool level uh, in that particular pot pool. But I'm sure that's not entirely the case. I mean, of course, you know, that particularly with stuff like X Factor, where they people have to sing live. You know, if I mean, obviously you get some donkeys there who just work on image, but you know, there's quite a lot of people who come through that actually can sing, um, but maybe don't get the kudos for it. Is that a fair thing to say? Yeah, I mean, you tend to get. It tends to be, I, mean, I don't know what it's like now, obviously, because I don't do it anymore, but it's kind of, you, you tend to, there'd be like one or two people who could really sing, and then you'd get one or two people who could really dance, put it that way. <laughs> and one or two people who could really look nice. Yeah, or, exactly. But so they all have to of, look nice as well. But So you kind of, you tend to sort of focus on the people who can sing, but obviously, because if, in the case of like a boy or a girl band, you would have to sort of share it around. So there, there would be, what's the word, greater or lesser um, DSP demands. <laughs> Shall do you get? Uh, do you? Uh, what's a what's a three shark artist like, or or do you uh, you have a kind of half a chip artist, or a or a four chip artist? <laughs> yeah, or a whole farm card artist. That kind of. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a great way of rating, isn't it? You know, you could actually. This the sort of internal industry way of rating the talents of a singer is how much DSP is required to make them presentable. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What a brilliant idea! So, uh, what's what? Um, what is it that you're doing, sort of more of now? I mean, what's your kind of general day to day role? Uh, you know, musically speaking, you know, what is it that you're up to at the moment? I do a lot of um, I do a lot of radio station jingly things. Ah. Did, um, do a lot of stuff. All radio two, we did a little big thing of that last year. So we did a little kind of big orchestras and bands and all kinds of stuff at Angel, and it was a huge big deal. So that was <clears throat> do quite a lot of that, um, and also I'm still producing. I've got apart from my band, I'm producing a band called Losers, which has got Eddie Temple Morris, um, the XFM DJ, and Tom Bellamy from X of Cooper Temple Claws. Um, we're just finishing that album. It's just kind of like, and then I'm mixing some other stuff. There's um, a girl called Chloe Alper who was in a band called Pure Reason Revolution. She's doing some new stuff. So I kind of it's sort of like it's just a it's just a big sort of spread of of you know whatever's whatever's there. Really, it kind of keeps each thing from burning out too much. Yeah, so you keep... Did I see somewhere in the credits also that you produced one of the Brits? There. Hey, that, did I? No, obviously not. Various <laughs> Artists Brit Awards 2003 producer. Maybe that was actually a compilation album. I think it's probably a compilation. I mean, that, they, my wiki entry, I, this has been, it's been a long-standing argument that I have in Wikipedia. It's not actually that accurate. It's kind of... It, <sighs> it's, it's, it was kind of compiled by... It was compiled, I think, by a, by a big prog rock fan. So it tends to kind of go... And there was some pop stuff, and then there was lots and lots of prog and prog and ah, and then, but then some pop stuff. So it's kind of like I've been trying to I'm trying to say to Wikipedia, can we get it in balance? And they're kind of going, oh, what about that? So it's a it's a don't believe everything you read on that. Uh, but you think after reading your Wikipedia entry, I started to get Wikipedia envy because there is no entry for me, just a sort of the occasional little trail of you know <laughs> I was involved in a project, you know. But I was thinking, is it really vain of me to actually sort of? try and put the record straight or do i have do you, is, what's the, what's the, what do you have to leave it to somebody else i mean i suppose that's the you can't really do your own can you it's it's not it doesn't uh, seem uh, like, you can't i, I think wrote, you need go on i wrote my own and i got into really bad trouble for it and all the wikipedia 
edit people came sending me messages and saying you can't say this about yourself and you have to be able to verify this and this is all conjecture and all sorts of stuff so don't write your own you'll get into trouble really there's that thing i think with wikipedia i think it's actually in a way it's kind of cool to not have a wiki it's wikinimity go for that i'm liking the sound of that i i've got a lot of wikinimity I, but I, I like so the them. done thing is what you actually have to have is almost a super fan stroke tor- stalker to be able to uh, qualify for an entry. Yeah, I, well, uh, yeah, it's, it's I, uh, it would be cool to say that they're stalkers, but I think it's enthusiasts. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, it's a nice thing. It's a nice thing. That's right. I can tell you're being very careful in this public forum here. There, <laughs> Dave, you got a Wikipedia entry. No, God, no! Thank goodness. Maybe I got. You remember that hate mail mail I showed you because I missed Todd Rundgren off of the um, uh, Chamberlain video. Yeah, and Mrs. Rundgren or whoever. No, um, somebody Grandma got really Rundgren. upset about it, and he was like, "You should go and name check. You should go and check your reference your Wikipedia entry against Todd's." Oh, what? You haven't got one? And it was just brilliant. <laughs> I was tempted to reply back going, Dear Mrs. Rungren, I don't want a wiki entry, please. But I didn't. I was very sensible. You can tell, though, when I know, I know several people who have written their own, and it is so blindingly obvious. They always write it, you know, third person, and it's just like, it's so obvious it was you, you knob. Do you think maybe we should have some sort of pact to write each other's? Or Actually, not, or not. that's a really good idea. Let's do that for next week. <laughs> Maybe what we should do is have a Wiki- Wikipedia club. <laughs> uh, Mark just uh, came in and said his computer restarted for some reason, and you'll notice my seamless video switching accommodating the, the classic two-row Skype to three-row three Skype video image there. I, I just, you know, that's, that's just how prepared I am in this instance. It's it just was a, effortless. It was almost effortless, almost subconscious. <laughs> or perhaps unconscious, even. Uh, right, big news. Um, I, I guess what we should probably start with is, um, you know, this this is the breaking news, uh, and it's got a wonderful graph, which is just down. Uh, although, when you look at the scale on the side, it's down from 7.6 to 6.8. You know, it's not exactly a kind of... <laughs> it's not exactly what you call a vertical. It just looks vertical on that scale. This is the news that uh, Avid... Um, the the big bosses at Avid are, are in a bit of trouble and there's various different lawsuits. I guess we've got to be careful what we say, although um, we never usually are, so I don't know why we should start here. Um, they've basically been um, done for doing, or, or been investigated for, uh, what does it say? It says, potential violations of federal security laws and breaches of fiduciary duty by Avid and certain of its officers and directors. That sounds a bit like a lyric from um, uh, Bedknobs and Broomsticks. <laughs> with the bankers to me but um but yeah this is this and, and really the, the, i suppose you know corporate shenanigans and bankers and finance there's no great shock there is there it's not like we're kind of like oh my god i thought you know because um, we know that avid became incredibly corporate over recent years and have been you know been embracing that whole structure so i suppose we shouldn't be surprised but what it does throw up is this sort of terrifying notion that it all might go away and it wasn't helped by the fact this morning when i when dave i think you sent me that link i went to check the website and it was just gone nothing and you know that's probably because me and everybody else in the world was checking the avid website so but it just it it it, it kind of what it does is create the sense the sense of something really terrible happening even though it might not actually be at all i don't know what you use gem in the studio what's your weapons of choice i mean i guess you're talking dsp so i'm presuming you use tools yeah 
It's Pro Tools, yeah. It's Pro Tools 8. Old and reliable. Ah, that's interesting. So you stopped. Well, I've got a Pro Tools 10 on my laptop, but I don't really use the laptop very much. But it's just the thing is, there's certain certain plugins, like um, Virtual Guitarist, which is an old Steinberg thing from 1839. Yep. I still occasionally, there's one sort of power chord thing that I do use on stuff, because um, obviously I can't play that guitar. Was that you on the so Ronan Keating stuff then? Jing, 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 jing. Is that, <laughs> is that it? No, 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 that's actually that we did. We actually did. We had a we had a couple of quid, so we could we could afford to <laughs> Got use. Got real guitarist in. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but I, I know. Okay, but I mean, does this sort of um, does this sort of thing make you nervous, or do you care less? Because I mean, if you're working on an older version, it doesn't really matter, does it? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I think it, Avid's a very divisive word, isn't it? In 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 many sort of musical circles, it kind of you have a love hate thing. I think with Avid. Yeah, I um, think that's probably true. Yeah, I don't think I, I would be very surprised if 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 they fell over and that was the end of it, to be honest, I think there's, you know, with these, these sort of judiciary things, there's always, there's always ways, alleged, 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 um, uh, results that might happen. There's always, there's always, you know, ways of, of, I think the, the company's too big. It's too developed. It's too established. It's too old. It's too varied for it to, to fall over overnight. I just think it might oh, be. Yes, of course. Of course. Uh, yes, no, it's uh, interesting. You said that. I think actually at the bottom, it's not clear. I, I do write that. Uh, 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 of course, this is only an investigation. No impropriety has been proven. I just like to say, <laughs> but we're all thinking. Oh, I'm sure there's some terrible business going on. But yeah, I mean, who knows, really? I'm just quickly going to switch here and get back to um, Mark because he popped, dropped off a sec. Uh, let's see if we can get him. So, Dave. I mean, I guess not being a uh, a Pro Tools user as such, but someone who has to support it. Does this make any difference to you or do you kind of, does your heart leap for joy at the thought of maybe having to um, support one less door, even though, you know, obviously that's not going to happen? We keep getting asked, are we going to do AAX? I mean, it's constant. But at the minute, I'm just going, no, it's a format too far, frankly. I've got, you know, obviously we've got a lot of history with Avid and... I think some of the employees were treated particularly badly in the whole transition. Uh, and I said my piece, actually, a while ago when we were talking about the share price plummeting. I recommended that um, the CEO hadn't quite found the correct vehicle for his talents. Could I suggest a hearse? <laughs> well, and I, I was expecting to get into loads of trouble, and I got loads of emails saying, well done, jolly well done. <laughs> Well done for saying that. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the first thing we did this morning was go onto the developer section, and that was still alive and kicking. So we were kind of like, okay, that's that's cool. But I mean, it's it's amazing how quickly these, you know, the rumor mill can spiral out of control. Well, I mean, the worrying thing is, obviously, uh, I mean, all that has to happen is a story, a website down for a minute. And then suddenly people are thinking, oh, if that happens again, you know, and they maybe st- even just considering an alternative you know that sort of thing's gonna 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 spread and of course people like us making a terrible con- conjecture right. and writing news headlines and what have you can't help but i mean the point is it is quite big news it is news it? yeah it is news i think that companies are generally uh doomed when they get those sap systems do you remember oh, those computer says no 
Yeah, exactly. And that's really what it boils down to. You know, sometimes you can kind of go, is there any chance we can get paid this month? Ah, oh, you know, it's a new SAP system coming online and you're just like, oh man, that's it. Yeah, I mean, I won't say the company, um, although you might guess who it is. Um, we had the same deal that, you know, we said, this is our new uh, suppliers agreement. Here you are. It's generated by SAP. And what you have to do is anything we buy off you, you have to agree that we don't have to pay you for 90 days. And I just went, well, no, that's really not okay. You know, unless you want to lend me a few grand to tide me over. No, absolutely not. So, you know, and I think those those systems are generally not uh, very well geared for creative industries. In fact, I met a lady at a Christmas party who was uh, a management consultant and I was asking her about it all and uh, and I think the question which seemed to re- result in the least answer in the swift kind of, oh, so how many employees have you got? And then turning her head away was, so how do you measure the success of what you do then? And she couldn't really answer it and then left. So, you know, it was just, you know, it's just that. I know, Mark, uh, you had a bit of a, uh, there was a bit of a rant in the previous emails to, uh, I won't use, I won't use the, repeat the words oh, that you you didn't you see where that went. <laughs> But um, me and Rich got into a blinding argument about it, which was fabulous, actually. <laughs> yes, Rich is very. Uh, I mean, but actually, Rich started. A, uh, Rich is off in Europe, uh, touring with Chic at the moment. He can't be with us, but he's been um, certainly communicating. And uh, he, he ran something on his Facebook page, which was like, "Okay, so if I was to have to change doors, what would it be?" You know, there's been, and it seems to be. You know, I mean, it, obviously, this is not a scientific bit of research, but uh, Persona Studio One seems to be getting a lot of love. Um, in terms of you know what people what 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 people might consider, I mean obviously uh, the the coolest thing would be uh, well anyway I don't know what maybe on to that in a sec but so Mark what are your what are your thoughts about this I mean does it it's a bit of a storm in a teacup well, isn't it really I mean have, having had that sort of argument with Rich Rich said are you angry at the whole world Mark why why do you have to be like this about it and I said no I'm not angry with the whole world I'm just angry with Avid <laughs> and then I sort of recognise I mean. He has got a really good point, and his point is that he uses that as a tool for making music, and he upgrades it all the time, it gives him new features, and it gets better and better for what he wants to do with it. But my counterpoint to that is that I only need the tool to do what I want it to do, and I have no desire for it to do a whole load of other stuff that I don't need. And if I if I have a computer that's... I think my computer was three years old, and I traded it in for a new one, and suddenly the software that I bought three years ago, Pro Tools 8, stops working because I can't run it on my new computer at all. at all. Or not without going on the internet and finding rather a lot of hacks to do it, which I, I'm going to admit to doing publicly because um, I've paid for a software license and I'm not doing anything illegal. Okay, so I've found out there's a few tricks you can do to make the hardware work with Mountain Lion and there's a few tricks you can do to make the the software work with mountain lion so i'm doing it but i don't and i noticed that pro tools 9 just won't run on mountain lion at all it forces you up to upgrade to 10 and i don't want to pay 300 dollars 300 pounds even to upgrade when it's not going to do anything new that i want it to do i want to continue to be able to run my software at the level that i've been running it without having to upgrade well, that's so not necessarily notice, an. A, that's not notice, necessarily the software's fault, isn't it? Isn't that the operating system making it difficult to maintain? You know, to, uh, that, that's more. It the, could well be yeah. the operating system's fault. It could be that Apple, perhaps, have uh, overlooked that letting people run Snow Leopard on their newest machines might be an option. It could be that. 
Um, but I'd, I've, I've used DigiDesign stuff for over 20 years, and what I've noticed with DigiDesign is that they have absolutely no sense of customer relation. It's just like, okay, we're going to just stop supporting this after two years, and we expect you to buy the next thing. If you, you just have to look at Microsoft. Microsoft have this model where they support the end user for 10 years, and then even when they tell you, we're going to stop supporting this product now, they create a legacy page. And you, if you wanted to, you could run Windows 98 and still find everything that was there to support it up until the point when they stopped supporting it. And then obviously the most important point is that if I bought a piece of software that ran on Windows 98, it would almost certainly run on 2000 and XP and seven and eight. So I've got pieces of software, pieces of software which are like ten or fifteen years old, which I run on my PC because they never got upgraded, but they still run. So what yes. is it that DigiDesign Stroke Apple are, you know, doing together in that mix that means that that when I try to run Pro Tools eight, it just makes my machine go mental and locks up all of. I mean, the only the only way I could get it to run was to take certain parts of the hardware drivers out and to make sure that the DigiCore wasn't in there and stuff and just that it was talking directly to the software. Right. I mean, it, you know, for that... tries to talk to the hardware, it gets all screwed up. Yeah, I, I guess that's that's kind of a tricky subject. I mean, it's hard to know where the blame lies, but I mean, I, I, I think, you know, if, if people moan about Avid, I think Apple could be uh, probably even more so because that's one step up, which is just like, right, now... None of this is going to work anymore, so therefore you have to find yeah, your own way. Yeah, but when they took eMagic over in our domain, the music domain, they made sure that the eMagic stuff was available for a really, really long time. So it was always there. There was always a legacy page where you could go and download version 5 onwards, I think. So mm. you could even download the PC version. And they, so they continued to support the PC version for a long time after they bought that software. <laughs> Sorry, Sinners Pocklington Music in the uh, in the chat room is saying, just don't buy any software beginning with A. That's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> so what does that rule out? I, I don't know. I mean, uh, well, Jeff... I've, I've, I've just got to say something else, though, because Adobe Photoshop ah. CS2, they had some huge problem with, the, uh, with supporting Adobe Photoshop CS2 users and the registration system failed. And it meant that anybody that had a registered version of CS2 couldn't download it or register it or make it work. So Adobe have given away the serial number for CS2, and they basically made a download page for that piece of software, and they said, you know, if you feel that you've got a right to run this, basically, if you've got a license for it, here it is free. Just download it and use it. Thank you. Oh, why really? I don't think why I... can't Avid or DigiDesign do that? Why can't they say, oh, here's Pro Tools 5, anybody can have that for free now, and here's Pro Tools 6? Because... It, because yeah. I mean, well, in a it's sense, interesting, it's though, I, th- I think because... And I think it's down to this whole idea of... I mean, because Adobe were corporate probably much earlier than any of the other creative sort of suite of softwares, whether it be graphics or music. They became a much bigger kind of company... Uh, much more early on in the development of software and this whole sort of this whole digital publishing and market so they've probably learned how to do it properly whereas it seems like avid were taken over by the, the sort of classic venture capital ceo will have the figure in there he'll help us make the sale price of the share it didn't seem like it you know i mean this is I, i'm i'm no financial expert clearly otherwise i wouldn't be sitting in here in a ropey old 
jumper. But, you know, it, that's what it seems. It doesn't feel right, you know, so much. And that, yeah, that's well, that's, what... it. that's, that's, the, that's the exact thing. You don't need to say anything else. As a customer, I feel like they basically couldn't give a monkey's about my end user experience. And whenever anything's gone wrong with them, you have to jump through bloody hoops to get hold of the right person. And they seem to be an oversized company that are delivering, you know, I know they've got their finger in many pies in the video editing and they've got... I think, the live, I think their live the stuff is probably the most, the most successfully interfa- publicly interfaced, customer interfaced uh, side of things because it has to work on experience and it has to work on kind of just has to work absolutely conclusively. I know, Jem, I mean, your system, you run your Pro Tools 8 system, right? Yeah. Um, and do you ever, I mean, how do you work that into the scenario where, you know, because presumably you're, you're working with other artists and other sessions come in, do you, can you translate things between them or do you just kind of, you know, stem it out and start from scratch? Or, I mean, uh, I do, I mean, it depends. A lot, of, a lot of the people I work with have Pro Tools in various forms. The only thing I'm starting to have now is this whole backwards compatible issue where Pro Tools 10 sessions don't work on 8 or 9. So this sort of like I did, um, we shot a DVD with the band at Rockfield in Wales uh, on start of the year. Got all the files back. I was like, oh, brilliant, brilliant. And of course, everything there was Pro Tools 10. So I couldn't do anything about it. So uh, thankfully, because I had Pro Tools 10 on the laptop, I could convert them. But it's just that kind of, there is that, it's a sort of relentless march, isn't it, of technology. Which, and I think, I think Mark's point about um, having older versions of Pro Tools available for free is a brilliant idea. I don't see why that couldn't happen. Well, the other the other thing that was uh, came up on Rich's page, his Facebook page, when he was asking for sort of what alternatives of doors was the first person basically to write a Pro Tools translator. So you just go right, give me any session, any version, I can translate this pretty much exactly. Apart from obviously, you know, if there are specific plugins that are only going to work in. There is one, isn't there? Is there? Yeah, there is one. Or oh, there's more than one, but there's one. Uh, which is considered to be quite good and used because of the, oh, isn't it made by I SSL? Had to get Pro Tools working again, so I can access some of my older projects, and I did consider that. Is it it's made, about two hundred dollars? I think it was made by SSL. I seem to remember it, it was uh, a very smart German coder because I remember seeing it at Messe a few years ago, and it was this just session. Uh, I can't. Maybe the chat room might know. Um, it obviously, is hasn't reached a wider market. Uh, yeah, the chat room basically said it's AA Translator is the one, but apparently that won't do uh, Pro Tools 10, you were saying, Mark. Is that, is that right? I'm just looking at the website for it, and I do remember looking at this and noting that it wouldn't do Pro Tools 10 and thinking it might be worth purchasing after it can. But the other thing it doesn't do is logic either as well, actually. But so It's more about translating between different video formats than it is about translating between audio, I think. I can't imagine a less thankless task than trying to get the minutiae of importing DAW sessions into a bunch of people who listen to things on headphones and go, no, it's not quite, you know, I mean, it's just, it's got to be a starting point. But that sort of thing has got to be, um, you know, it's got to be a go. And maybe, you know, something that's going to happen, surely. It would be very helpful. I'm sure, um, Jem, you're going to find that sort of thing pretty useful, aren't you? Um, well, currently, I don't have any plans to upgrade from Pro Tools 8 at the moment because ah. it it works so it's kind of- <laughs> yeah i didn't have any plans to upgrade from it my computer just decided that it wanted me to upgrade because <laughs> yeah. it stopped working ah. so how unfortunate I was kind of, you know i ended up in a situation where i had to choose to buy another computer and i thought i'll buy the fastest one i can get in like the smallest possible format so i bought a mac mini and of course it, the, it runs everything now i've solved all the problems i had 
Oh, sorry, that's a bit of 303 just came in there. That was just uh, the spontaneous 303. And remember, of course, folks, this is episode 303. Although we've been talking about Avid for a little while, maybe. There we go, here's some more. Hands in the air, everybody. That'll be the poster frame right there, folks. I can see it. This again is the sound of DY Labs Live Jam TB303 SH101 on TR606. As I said, absolutely impossible to find any kind of naked 303 loops that I could just kind of trick. I was thinking of using it as amusing punctuation rather than slightly awkward, lagging kind of uh, playback from SoundCloud that didn't quite come in on time. Uh, as it turns out, rebirth. Or something. I was going to say, have you not got a copy of Rebirth knocking around there, Nick? Uh, no, have you? I mean, the thing is, all my computers are sort of maxed out, trying to kind of uh, actually just cope with the production. Yeah, on my phone, I haven't got a phone like that. Mine's an Android. All right, don't rub it in. And my my iPad is no. a vintage iPad and doesn't run anything anymore, anyway. <laughs> vintage iPad. My God. Vintage iPad. I am really old now. Yeah, vintage Have iPad. You got that... that TT303 thing then, Dave. Yeah, Dave, you were going to get the TT303, weren't you? Yeah, I was. But they said it was going to be in on the Friday before Christmas. So I said, fine. And they were going to call me. And they never called me. And they never emailed. And they never wrote. Oh. So I bought a VP. So we bought a VP330 instead. Right. Oh. The temptation's just too much. There's too much gear out there just going, buy me, buy me. So we got to the... I, and I figured that the TT will probably be around for a little while. It will. Uh, or, of course, you could possibly take uh, a look at... Uh, now, I'm gonna, am I going to play the right thing here? One of these. Actually, this sounds a bit more 303 than the 303 in certain places. Everybody, hands in the air. <laughs> Let's rock out to a virtual realisation of a synthesizer. It's the obligatory dubstep section. enough of that too much like good fun or not i don't know oh there's two of me there uh this is yes of course the uh the new rocket synthesizer from uh waldorf which has been uh, just announced uh oh yeah of course that's not gonna work either i'll just have to fly by uh, the seat of my pants again since that crash all my uh screen capture and everything has just gone down but anyway this is the waldorf the new waldorf rocket synthesizer um it's a small desktop size thing uh virtual with digital oscillators very basic by the looks of it um uh envelope just a a sustain and release portion but it's going to be 204 euros plus the vat in the uk which is next to nothing frankly and it's got i don't really understand it seems to be a monosynth with a potential eight units and oscillators but you can play those in a chord as well so it's a policy i i'm not quite clear about how that works but uh, dave have you fathomed it out no i'm sorry i didn't really get a chance to read this i heard it sounded all right and i saw the price and thought oh but i think i have to sort of start restraining myself really because before my room's finished it's going to be just overflowing so but it's small. I like small. Small could be good. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of bored of uh, all these uh, load of synth demos that just try and sound as tough as possible. In fact, I want to do completely the opposite. I just want them to sound lush and beautiful. Pads. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you sit down behind a synth and it suddenly kind of speaks to you and sounds beautiful and like being... I coined the phrase, but like being wrapped in cotton wool by an army of supermodels. That's what I want out of a synth. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I'd want that of almost anything, not just a synth, frankly. But yeah, it's, well, it sounds like it, it's, an, it's eight voices that goes into one filter, apparently. So that's, you know, so it's not multiple watches. But there's obviously people are getting a bit arsy because they're saying, well, yeah, what about Pulse 2? I thought we were going to get that, you know. And the, this is all, I guess, you know, something that they can make that can sell bucket loads of and uh, do it quick. And that's got to be a good thing. So we're probably going to see it, a music messer. Uh, Jem, you're uh, into synths. I mean, I've noticed you've done some uh, um, some rather splendid stuff for the Korg Kronos. Yes. That's, is that what you play live? Kronos, as I said. Kronos. Um, I do play it live, yeah. I'm kind of, uh, it's, I was just saying for Dave, for every, with, with, I'm looking at Dave's studio there, for every wonderful piece of loveliness he buys, I'm trying to redress the balance of the force. I've just bought the tattiest, I don't know if you can see it, a tatty D70 there, Dave. Oh, I like oh, D70s. Oh, lovely. Prologue. What a great sound. That's a good patch. It's a, yeah, it still works, this thing, but it's kind of... It's, had it's a nice feeling of, keyboard, I remember. That's why I bought it, because I need... This is the thing with the, this thing with the Kronos. My, my, if I did have a criticism of it, it's I, for doing live stuff, I really like to have a simplistic setup. I don't like having lots of keyboards around. And the 61 is too small, and the 73, I don't like the... My piano action, really, it's not good for me for live. And... Um, the only compromise I can find is to basically have the Kronos over one side, but use something like the D70 keyboard because you've got <laughs> splits and things going on. Yeah. So kind of it's it's sort of. <clears throat> I mean, like it's, again, I'm, I'm I'm I love the sort of the synthesizer side of things, and I totally agree with Dave about these you know these these kind of all these little boxes coming out that that just kind of go you know, but, and it's just sort of you kind of get a bit. It's a bit like yeah, all right. And I was actually downloaded the manual of this thing as it's my first appearance. I thought I'd do a bit of homework and be all glam but i don't i, I know what you mean I, thank god for you whether it's actually is it is it a single oscillator or is it eight because it sort of says it says on the thing here, it says here all eight oscill- oscillators will play the incoming midi notes this will you allow playing chords so is it a single oscillator is it eight oscillators i don't know it's hard to yeah i did the demo i did that as well i couldn't quite figure it out i mean it says on the page but look it's kind of like dark chocolate and lime green yes so <laughs> So forget about like, all that other stuff. It's like a mint. A mint. It reminds me <laughs> of those uh, those lime-boiled sweets with chocolate in the middle. Mint matchmakers, I was thinking of. Ah, interesting idea. Um, so, I mean, clearly, Jeff, I mean, when you buy a new synth, I mean, what is it that, you know, that, do you do you tend to work in soft or, you know, because I, I, you, you live in London and so therefore everybody's got a tiny place to live, so you can't stack it full of masses of masses of synthesizers presumably so do you reach for the software or do you tend to kind of go oh, you know what i could really do one of those have you been reading my wikipedia page again i live in east sussex yeah probably <laughs> well <laughs> over there in the east yeah um it's i mean the soft synth this is the thing with, i mean i think for, for studio use soft synths are great but again it's this thing of of you know, I kind of actually cleared out all my plugins folder the other week because you end up, or sometimes you sort of, you think, oh, I need a pad or something, and you call call up the plugin folder, and it's just like you get you get like plugin blindness or, or something. Yeah, yeah, it's actually quicker just to program something on a synthesizer. 
Yeah, so it's half and half. I mean, it's it's you know, like it's it's if you need a pad, you're only going to need you know, it just needs to be like some sort of sawtooth thing with a bit of filtering, and you can do that in anything really. So it, it kind of it's whatever's quickest because of because uh, thankfully because you know I've, I'm too busy most of the time, there isn't really time to to delve into stuff like that. So it's kind of like I think I think since just tend to, for me tend to be quicker. I think hardware synths. And so what is it that you're, te- I mean, so is that the Kronos in the studio or have you got a kind of selection that you tend to <clears> use? Again, I'm, I'm, I'm quite, I don't like clutter. So I'm kind of, I've literally just got the Kronos here. I've got the D70 here just at the moment, which will, once, it, once I've done this gig coming up, I'll put it in the attic. And that's pretty much it really. And then I'll just use sort of soft synths as and when. I don't, I'm not really kind of, I'm not, I don't know, I don't really have uh, sort of that, kind of fetish about instruments anymore i think it's i think it's my advancing age just whatever will do the job yeah i think yeah. i think that's right because i think intent has an awful lot it counts for an awful lot in an awful lot of fields and that the intention of what you were going for rather than being absolutely perfect about it can often be enough particularly in stuff that is you know not front and center if you're doing lots of jingle stuff you know then that's going to be over and quick and it's the, a lot of it's about the message rather than necessarily about the the minutiae of the synth pad used it's yeah, and also it's that kind of there's there's um, I've learned a lot from again from doing this thing with Tom Bellamy. I've learned a lot about um, I used to sort of not do a lot of manipulation of stuff like he's brilliant at taking like a, a string sample and sticking it through a filthy, dirty distortion and then filtering that and then putting delay on it and making all this kind of this whole other, this whole other sound. And I started doing a lot more of that, a lot of just sort of taking a very basic sound and then just ripping it to bits. Ah, interesting. Okay, and do you use controllers at all? You know, in terms, or are you kind of very much on screen? I'd love to, but again, the, this, the, this is one of the things about Pro Tools. It's just not really. There's not like a surfacey kind of thing. I mean, there's this there's sort of there's there's their great high end two hundred million dollar desks, which I don't have the space or the cash for. Um, and I always find that sort of like the mapping innovation stuff is always a bit hit and miss, and it kind of I don't know. It 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 it'd be nice if there would be some sort of. I'd, I'd love a control service because for automating plugins, would be brilliant. But I tend to just do a lot of. Just Mouse grab it stuff. and just do it, yeah. Yeah, interesting. And then, Mark, are you thrilled by the idea of this? I mean, the Waldorf synthesizers, uh, they've got a kind of big following, and there is a sound. It, this, to me, sounded a little more um, characterful than perhaps the Blofeld, which is... Uh, um, but but I don't know, really. I, uh, I like the massive Waldorf synthesizer. Oh, the Wave. Uh, kind of the one with the red knob on it. Yeah. Because the red knob's nice. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and if this is... Brown and green, maybe it looks like a humbug. I don't know. Well, um, yeah. You know, I think the, uh, probably the important thing is the sound and listening to that little demo on YouTube. I was like, whoa, okay. I mean, I liked all the noises that it made. And they're like small, really small, but really kind of loud, sound. sort of in your face, bright harsh sounds so yeah that, that i mean that's want, pretty much what I they're want a synth that can do that better than the ones i've got but it might be that i'm going to be 50 in three weeks time and my ears have stopped working because i played something to my partner the other day and i said what do you think of this and she was like ow ow why is it so bright and trebly and i'm like is it oh, sounds so... right to me uh, we've got a bit of a buzz going on there. I'm not sure who that is. Is that you or is that Dave? Dave, I remember that happened on your uh, USB mic uh, once before. I'll just mute. No, it's not you. Mark, can you mute a second? Sorry about this, folks. It's gone. It's Mark. You might have to replug your uh, your mic a second. Oh, it's a head. Oh, it's gone now. That's all right. Good. 
panic over, everybody. Everything's all fine. Anyway, this this is going to be out. Uh, let me see. Where is it? It's going to be out uh, soon, sometime. Uh, and it looks like kind I'd of. Like fun. I mean, one in the flesh. Yeah, I think. Well, we'll get, we'll be going to Music Messer at the beginning of April, so we'll get a chance to see one, I'm sure, and uh, check it all out. Um, but yeah, it's got uh, up to eight oscillators for unison unison oscillators. That sounds quite interesting. Uh, it'd be nice if you have, uh, obviously, the ability to pan and sort of modulate those kind of things, because those are the things that make things sound huge. Um, uh, what else? I, I, yeah, I mean, it looks all right. But there's also, while we're in the world, uh, for, for those who like hard, there's also soft too. soon the future of sound i'm wondering there's all sorts of guess guesstimates about what that might be i mean maybe it's just going to be reactor six could be uh, maybe they've uh, or was it seven the next reactor shall we say <laughs> i'll future proof that statement um or is it going to be something like you know razor or whatever which actually razor was a really good synth i did a review of it I had some fantastic vocoders in um but again you know it's it I mean, from what I heard there, it sounded like quite a fulsome waveform. I mean, whether that's done by EQ or whether that's the raw voice, it's hard to tell. But um, native instruments since can be quite interesting. The whole reactor thing is very, I find, particularly interesting. The whole idea of prototyping these complex uh, synthesizers in a kind of development environment and then compiling them into instruments, I find really fascinating. And um, I know that would be pretty cool, wouldn't it, Dave? If you could do, if you had a sort of super synth that you could just make everything else in without having to have it coded. Isn't that isn't that like the dream scenario for a software developer? Uh, yeah, I guess it could be. I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? I I, I started to listen to this. I thought it was, sounded interesting. In fact, I was listening to it on the phone on the way home from somewhere last night. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Again, everything's got to be tough and like screaming. Yeah, yeah, it all is. Which is, you know, obviously been a kind of big thing in software. Make it sound tough without. Sounding particularly disgusting. They broke a few rules in my book. I mean, revolution. Oh, God, how many times are we going to read this? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could only have been worse if Jordan Rudis had kind of popped his head up underneath and went, it's great, man. But, you know, uh, I like what native instruments do, so I'd be interested to check this out. My point, and your, in answer to your question, really, is that it's not necessarily, for me, it's not necessarily about having this thing where you can cobble together like everything, a choice, you know, a combination of everything. Because for me, the beautiful thing about old gear is its architecture and the way it works and the way these, we've talked about it a million times, the way these limitations force you to think in different ways and do different things and stuff like that. So, you know, the first time I ever was put in front of a, say, an Arb Odyssey, took me like 20 minutes to get a sound out of it because you need to know where to introduce that waveform into that audio mixer and stuff like that. And it's those things, it's mastering those things for me is a kind of thing of joy. Just going, oh, it's this oscillator and you can put it with this filter and it's like this. doesn't really kind of do it for me. 
Yeah, I like the idea of the, the, the notion of being able to mess things up. That's what I like about the uh, modular stuff. In fact, um, we had a chap in today who was just showing to how to use our CMS because he's going to post a few kind of blog things. And I've lent him a couple of uh, my Euro app modules. And he was going, oh, yeah, I was doing this. I was taking the square wave output of the uh, Vulkan modulator and triggering an envelope. So it sort of did that. And I was going, really? Oh, that's an interesting idea. I didn't know you could do that. And they are, you know, give me an idea for a series, which is just like weird shit you can do with an analog, with a modular system. Did you know you could plug this into that and try this and try that? And you kind of, I guess with Reactor, you can do that sort of thing. But with with fixed architecture synthesizers, it's much more tricky, isn't it? I mean, some, some routings and modulations are fixed and some you can come up with. But, you, you know, that, that kind of pre, pre-rooted stuff is... is it's a double-edged sword. It's kind of easier to get stuff out of, but it's also less easy to go off-piste, as it were. Yeah, I'm kind of showing my age, I guess. I mean, I remember a time when there was this one guy who was just known, who I was lucky enough to work with for a period of time, who was just known for, he's the guy who can make a CS80 do these things. And, of course, people, you know, like even the old CS80 users were going, oh, how does he do that? How does he do that? And it's just, I love that kind of, you're, you're so immersed in an instrument that you know that. And my dream is to be immersed in every single old synthesizer. I suppose that's one of the problems. I mean, the thing that you were saying, Jem, you know, is like you just don't get time for that sort of thing. I mean, is there perhaps room for sitting around, right, OK, I've got half a day. What I'm going to do is make a load of sounds in these instruments and then use them later. I mean, do you get yeah, a chance to do that? I do. I mean, it's, I've got four young kids, so no. It's the, it's not fun <laughs> no, I don't know how you find time to do anything. In fact, what are you doing here? Isn't it time to pick them up from school? Well, I, say, I, was, I was supposed to be at a parent's afternoon. <laughs> do you want to borrow my T-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I said to my wife, I said, oh, I've got a terribly important phone call to make. So yeah. She doesn't know how the internet works, so that's she'll never know. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, I remember when we, were at, when we were at school, for some bizarre reason, the school bought a, an MS-20. Wow. And it was this thing, and it used to sit in, this, used to sit in the music room. And I, it took me six months to get it to make a noise. Literally, every, hour, every sort of Tuesday afternoon, there'd be a music lesson. And eventually, I did manage to sort of make this, I sort of did that, and it went, ee! <laughs> So <clears throat> I kind of I think there is I don't know with Reactor it's sort of there's, there's something very nice about the physicality as Dave says about of, of actually yeah sort of interfacing with a with a device that generates noise I think with Reactor I kind of I'm I'm slightly I'm slightly wary of it mainly because I think because my Mac's so old it tends to make my Mac crash ah. so it's kind of um, I don't know it's it's sort of the the, the, the the, the time for sitting down and actually programming patches, it tends to be the kind of, I think it's the sort of Nick Rhodes sort of way of you start with something and then you just rip it to bits until you end up with something else. I don't ever sort of tend to sit down and go, right, I'll take that and put that and do that there. And because I think because I'm not very bright. So that's the main reason. So I'm sure that's not the case, but maybe there's room. I mean, I know I um, spoke to uh, somebody about this before, the idea of doing a modulus soft synth. So effectively, you just release release racks and you plug them all together that way. I don't know, I know Mark. Um, I don't know whether native instruments stuff features much in your life, or whether it's likely to, based on you know what you've seen here. Um, I do have the the sampler contact. Is that ah yeah 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 of course yeah that is. Oh, hang on, yeah, yeah yeah I do have that. <coughs> that sounds quite good. Um, 
I like, See, the I like... thing is, because you've put these two videos on at the same day, so there's a contrast there for me. I actually like the sound of the Waldorf one better, but it's... it's I mean, I, I, in, unless I sat down in front of it and fiddled around with it, I have no idea what's going to come out of the Native Instruments one. I've just heard some sounds. Yeah. Mm. And it's a pretty broad or big statement to say that this is the synth that's going to own them all because you're, t- you're going to... You're going to convince me that this can go into like Prophet Land and Oberheim Land and Roland Jupiter and Roland Juno and Roland, <clears throat> like, you know, more uh, SH101 TB303. It can cover all those bases. And then it can, and then when you think about sample and synthesis as well, it's going to like go there as well, is it? I mean, that's a huge, a huge. It's quite a statement, make, isn't it? Yeah. It's quite funny. There was a, there was a, a, a comment on the YouTube video just after it was posted, which is like, oh, fantastic. So this will be the synth that changes my life, makes all my music sound fantastic and will be, you know, the future of everything. Not like the last one, which unfortunately didn't live up to that expectation. <laughs> but this, but this time, it's going to be the one, which is, uh, yeah, obviously. Well, there's also be. the other thing. I think, I think you kind of, if, if, if there is a synth that does everything, wouldn't it actually be rather boring? Yeah, I think it would be. I think it would be kind of boring. Well, no, I don't think it would because, because I want to be able to take all the different bits of different synths and, I mean, it would have to be modular. Mm. So you'd have to be able to go, I want to try that Roland filter on that, you know, that uh, Oberheim yeah. waveform. But what would happen if you put the Roland LFO uh, through a waveform and used it as an audio waveform or whatever? I mean, I'm just making it up as I go along. But I mean, I, the idea that I could take elements of everything and put them all in there together. And let's not forget that Technics thing that had the body of a piano and the... Uh, resonator of a guitar in it because if it, this synth is going to own everything it has to do that properly so really they've, they've set themselves an incredibly difficult task <laughs> so, yeah yeah uh, we'll see i mean you know i mean obviously it'll probably do dubstep all right because uh, native instruments seem to own that particular sphere with massive and what have you but i found i mean even though i really thought razor was brilliant and additive synthesizer you know, it very, very much like the sort of thing that you would flip pre- through presets and then the four controllers you've got mapped, you just wiggle with those and you'd have some real time, which is an approach and it's not necessarily problematic. But then you get, you know, I mean, maybe some of the things that happen in the uh, in the dubstep world are just innovative uses of tempo-based automation, you know, that kind of create the sounds that we wouldn't be able to, you know, to do that on a real synth it would be quite difficult unless you had the full modular control and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So you can, I suppose that's why you get the innovation in those sounds. But uh, we'll see whether or I not... I went off dubstep yesterday. Went off it completely? Completely went off it, yeah. Because <laughs> I like innovation and my whole character is <laughs> about being different and I like being different to everyone else. So I sort of liked dubstep for a bit because I thought it was different. But when I noticed that they've brought out an album called This is Dubstep 2013, I thought, hang on a minute. Now it's just like one of those, you know, now music kind of completely, yeah. hugely made. Well, also, they put, a dubstep, uh, they put a dubstep label on the Novation Mini Nova, which means it's over, isn't it? When, is it, when oh, it's dear. kind of been categorized into a patch step. Yeah, pub step. I think we've talked about pub step before, haven't we? <laughs> <Dave>. <laughs> I mean, I love all the sounds, but I just, you know... I do, you know, I do, I do and I don't. I mean, as I said, I think I said the same gag last week, it just sounds like somebody who wanted to play didgeridoo but couldn't learn it and figured out how to make a sound a bit like that in a synth. And that's, 
you know what a lot of the dubstep stuff is. You yeah, know, I suppose that it's kind of just like, oscillating yeah. scream is like, oh, oh, really? Oh, yeah. You know, it doesn't really. It's not innov- no longer innovative. In fact, it was snores actually. Even yeah, actually, no, there was snore step. Maybe that's the answer for the next thing. It doesn't <laughs> quite. It's not quite so catchy as pub step, though, is it? <laughs> snooze step. Snooze step. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, well, speaking of um, innovation, or perhaps not, I'm, I'm not going to play anything here because I used, I got into trouble from the clip I played last week of um, the BBC thing, uh, uh, New Order doing a bit of Blue Monday. Um, they clobbered me with a with a copyright notice, which I've actually said no, it's fair use because it was for comment. It's not like I was playing it and passing it off as my own. It was like we were talking about Blue Monday and. So whether or not they sue my ass and close the YouTube channel is still down to, um, well, we'll see in the future. But, so I'm not going to say anything about this, but I will, um, I'll, I'll show a web page. Because <laughs> I think that's all right. Can we hum it? Uh, yes, I don't know, can true. you? That's a good question. I really, actually, I really like the intro to this video. Um, but if I play it, I'm probably going to end up in trouble. This is uh, new Bowie stuff, which, as our, um, which is the stars are out tonight. Which is a really, really interesting video, sort of set in. It looks like um, kind of crumbling LA apartment uh, or Florida or something. It looks like it's on the Florida front. You know that sort of slightly um, Art Deco thing, and a lot of weird androgynous people, including. Uh, Ah, what's Tilda Swinton, who looks fantastic in this and dresses up nice and kind of just behaves in a very strange fashion. Great video and quite interesting, but the the press are going crazy for it. You know, the greatest rock and roll comeback in history, according to the Independence, Andy Gill, Neil McCormick of The Telegraph, also gives the records top marks, calling it emotionally charged, musically jagged. I mean, you know, and these are all great things. I mean, for an artist of such longevity... That's pretty cool, right? I mean, I'd like to be able to kind of get at least one critical <laughs> praise, praise along those lines when I'm his age, which isn't obviously too far away. Not that I'm making any music. Um, Rich, it's a shame Rich is not here because Rich worked on uh, one of the Bowie albums. In fact, there's a great picture of Rich with Dave and Rich has got a fantastic uh, uh, hairstyle of the period uh, and it's a, it's a great photo. Um, Dave, David Bowie, do you th- have you checked out any of this stuff or are you kind of... Uh, yeah. Does it bother you? Are you bothered? Uh, uh, no, not really. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I I, I kind of listened to that single. I, I checked out a few things. It's all right. I still think the best thing he ever did was that thing with Ricky Gervais. <laughs> Funny little fat man. <laughs> Laughing man who sold his soul. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that just killed me. That's in fact, nice. when this single came out, I just put that up on my Facebook. It was like best thing he ever did, and loads of people were kind of going. Gal, it was pretty much polarised opinion there. But um, no, I thought your observation was quite interesting, though the fact that you know people do return to basics. Uh, well, yeah, this is the other idea. Obviously, this is you know a song-based album. You know, from what I've heard, I mean, they've only heard the one. You know, it's not got the production bells and whistles. Uh, and artists that seem to be, you know, working in pop for a long time or whatever, tend to get to a position where they just don't, they're not, they can't be asked with all the kind of, you know, the dubstep sound or whatever. They just go for the song. And that's, you know, they all seem to gravitate back to that. And it's just the basic factor of the song. And no, Jam, you kind of written a number of ditties. Um, do you find your approach to songwriting has changed over the course of the... Uh, uh, of your kind of songwriting career so far? Are you kind yeah. of thinking in, in different terms now? I think, I mean, the, with the pop stuff, I, I don't think, the thing with that is it's kind of, it's, 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 a, it's a popular misconception that, that some of that stuff is actually what we want to write. It sounds bizarre, but a lot of it is what you're told to write by the A&R man. <clears throat> right. 
So the, a lot of it is is like remember there was there was one sort of there was it went through a phase of all lyrics must be happy. Can't be about, you know, heartbreak or loss or death or anything. It must always be, oh, you're brilliant, oh, I love you. And, it's kind of, and it was all, and that can be very restrictive, which is one of the reasons why when I did Frost, it was just so massively opposite from that because I was bored of just doing four chords. So I thought, I have 64th notes and I'm going to do all this and it's going to be magnificent. And it's, I think songwriting these days, it, it's, quite, it's quite heartening that people are, are, are writing more eclectic material and it's actually being critically well received and actually selling you know i think it's it's one of the one of the good things about the arguable d- demise of music via the internet is i think people actually have a chance to hear loads of stuff now people who necessarily might previously have said i just like this they now go well i like a bit of that i like a bit of that and i think songwriters have responded to that as well i think maybe there are more songwriters now who realize that they can you know they can make money by writing pop songs but the fact is that if you're if you're good enough you can write something fairly subversive in a pop nature you know, in the pop, that is kind of weird. I mean, you know, there was that uh, James Arthur track, which, you know, I thought, oh, that's all. And then I listened to the lyrics, and it's like really bloody dark. You know, it's kind of, and it's quite interesting that you can, you, you, you know, you can do that. Um, and you still, it's just more challenging, perhaps, you know, to try and get it across and filter through all of those kind of, uh, like you say, those A&R requirements. Yeah, I think it's it's still uh, melody for me. When I'm songwriting, melody is still the kind of the kingpin of it all. It doesn't matter really what you fill around the bottom of it, but as long as you, it's kind of this. The songs are they supposed to? They're there for a reason. They're not. You know, I'm not really a big fan of stuff that just kind of is is sort of like you know one note or or just a lot. I'm I'm, I'm it's kind of it's it's a difficult. It's a sort of difficult way to, to quantify it because obviously a lot of stuff that does very well has fantastic melody, and I still do think you know even going back to sort of the Beatles kind of era that it's still about that melody and the, and the effect it has on you. And I think the, the good thing about that is you can you can pretty much sing whatever you want if as long as it's catchy, you know. Or as perhaps the sentiment of that one line you remember has the essence of what the melody conveys as well, and they sort of come together. I suppose is the way. So do you write on a piano or do you kind of come up with chunks of music and then work over that? I mean, or, or a guitar? I mean, what's your sort of process? <clears throat> it depends. A lot of it, I've, I've been, sometimes I can write it in my head, which is quite nice. It's, that's only a recent sort of development. Um, sometimes it's, it's, it's frantic. I, I, ring, I ring the answer phone if I'm in the house. I can't say, oh, God, and all my dictaf- stupidly, all my dictaphones and stuff are in here. So I know I've got these like, messages in me going, it's me, 7.15. And of course, I see that, or it's, or it's in the middle of the worst of us, it's in the middle of the night, and I actually take the dictaphone, and I have to sing it so quietly that I listen to it, and all I can hear is, I think, what is this? <laughs> so it kind of, it, it depends. It's sort of, uh, it, it, piano sometimes, bit of guitar, because so, sometimes there's sort of, I mean, I've just, I've, I'm playing an instrument at the moment, which is a thing called a Kelstone, which is a nine-stringed tapping instrument, which I've tuned in fifths. And the good thing about that is because it's sort of so not so alien to how I normally play, I'm coming up with all kinds of new and interesting chord sequences and riffs. And it's, I think sometimes with songwriting, it's nice to sort of challenge yourself and push yourself in a different direction, try a different instrument, just sort of whatever works, really. Excellent. I, 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 I'm, I'm very envious of the fact that you... Uh, you listen to your inner song and actually do something about those things. I used to do that. Um, and then I, I had the same thing. I'd be listening to this kind of dictaphone stuff and I think, what the hell was that? <laughs> and in my head, I was thinking that, look, I can't be more explicit than this. I've described this almost to the final fade in, in my sort of weird dictaphone head mode. And, and then when I listen it back, it means absolutely nothing. Um, I know, I, well, speaking of which, but Mark, you, you kind of 
you know, you can pose quickly oh, and on the fly. I, I mean, I have, do you tend to sort I, of try and spurge it all out in one go or do you kind of leave little snippets for yourself? No, I've got hours and hours and hours of these weird recordings. But the thing <laughs> is, of course, because I've got this philosophy head on as well, I've got hours of things that go, oh, try this. And the bass line's got to go, boom, 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 boom. And I should have guitars on it. And, I should, and it's all really excited. And then the melody should be, la, la, la. And, of course, I can't sing brilliantly. And then the next one is, ah, oh, I've just worked out that the whole thing behind consciousness is this. So if you listen through my, um, my dictaphone, it just jumps from thing to thing to thing. But I, I do recommend getting a, um, either a yak number, which is a number you can call up and it ah, sends okay, a web yeah. file to your, oh, yeah. to your email. That always works quite well for me because then you, can, you ring up and you're not disturbing anyone because you're sort of phoning from... Or are you phoning from your bed in the middle of the night to your own answering machine? <laughs> or dictaphone, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I've got hours and hours and hours of it, but um, are we still doing Bowie? Are we I th- yeah, yeah Bowie sorry, thing? we were still doing Bowie, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but you, can, you, can, you can comment on Bowie as well, of course. Sorry. I rambled. Well, I quite, I, the, the rhythm in that song is so Bowie in a weird sort of way, but it's not any of the sounds he's used before, but there's a sort of a flavour of his character to that rhythm. So when I'm listening to it, it reminds me of lots of things that he's done in the past, and it almost sounds like somebody trying to be Bowie, because it's been so long since I've really listened to anything that he's done in that style, that, it's, that it seems like it's almost like it's someone trying to be Bowie who can't quite cut it. <laughs> and because he's he must have something going on with his teeth as well because it's uh, there's a <laughs> no, seriously i mean i my ear picks these things up and there's a slight buzz to the edge of some of his diction that sounds like you know i've either had my teeth done and his teeth have changed or he's wearing false teeth but I, and i'm not saying that in i don't I'm, that's not meant to be derogatory in any way shape or form it's just something that i've noticed and i actually i quite like the song i i, I think that rich again the uh i think the 14 <laughs> it's going to be a 14 track uh album so the, you know you're getting good value well, for that's money weird in itself well I mean, it's do, got... do, does anybody else do album it's sort of we're all well, actually, I mean, the, yeah, no, they do. The, the, it's interesting. I was looking at track counts on uh, a lot of pop stuff, and now, you know, mainstream stuff actually has more tracks on it. You know, you're supposed to give more value, more value. I mean, you know, the pressure, oh, yeah. the pressure on the artist to come up with all sorts of stuff to sell, bonuses, extra tracks, unreleased B-sides, archipelago versions, whatever. I mean, you must find this, uh, Jam, you know, when you've done something or, or had done something in pop, it's like, right, now we need another 12 tracks. We need an MP3 to give away with the uh, the ice cream tyre we've done with, you know, Lolly, whoever it is, you know, do you know what I mean? And all that kind of, you've just got endless things to kind of come up and regurgitate and, and what have you. And that, that seems to be, you know, you have to just more product, please, more and more of it. Yeah, and I think it's not necessarily it's not necessarily a good thing because it's kind of you can write three or four good songs, and if that's what if that's what you've got, you should just leave it there. Otherwise, you've kind of got six tracks of bilge, and it's, it's this sort of this thing of, of I always have when albums now. I have this sort of I can decide it's a mathematical equation whether I like the album or not. If I like fifty percent of the tracks, because that's kind of about as much as you can hope to get now out of an album that I think is kind of you know is is an acceptable level of good songwriting. And it is this, this, you know, the five one mix and the this, and then there's all these, like, you know, the acapella versions are released, and and this is the other thing. It's kind of, <clears throat> well, I'm telling you an old man. I'll tell you something else I don't like. Acoustic it's version, of course. Let's not forget that. Well, it's also it's the kind of the culture of the, of the, the 
cult of the remix in some respects. It's 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 I kind of think some of these remixes are so good they should just be songs. It shouldn't really necessarily have to be kind of ordered to remix somebody else's music. It's sort of I mean I've done a few of them and it's it's they're good they're good exercises, but then it kinda of, it almost makes you think, well what's the what's the what's the real version for then? You know, if we've got if you have actually the single and then there's like ten mixes of it, ten versions of it, it's sort of yeah, I get that. It's, it's like I found uh, there was a track that I really liked. It was uh, Zed, uh, and it's called uh, Spectrum. And mm. I just thought the production, like we talked about it on the podcast, it really kind of blew me away. This, you know, but then I went to look for it, and there were about nine million versions of it. And I didn't know which was the one that I needed to listen to to get, you know, because I'd heard a snippet elsewhere. And they're all these different. Yeah, that is complex. I mean, and, but uh, guilty, you know. I mean, I've done a lot of remixing in the past, and yet that's what happens. I mean, and and when you start to get. Uh, what is effectively the A side, whatever that is, mm. the radio edit or whatever, then that's what people hear. But there are so many different ways that that track can become in focus in so many different markets. It's hard to know which one it is that you're actually you're after. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's from trying to find something on YouTube, for example. It's just it's just it's like thousands of versions, and you just think, oh, do you know, I can't be bothered. Or well, the other worst one is you actually you hear you hear a remix of it, and that's the version that you like. And then you actually sort of get the track and you think, well, that's not the version I like. And then you can never find that remix again. So you sort of like get that one chance to find it. It's just very, I don't know, it's less is more, I think. With a lot of yeah, this no, well, that, that's true. I, I, I'm guilty of that one. That one happened, um, yes, on something I worked on. <laughs> the, quote, yeah. the quote was, so I bought the album, but it's not there. The, the track's not there. And, and, and did it fall out or something? Yeah, it's kind of My missus, straight away. Yeah. She was so upset when she bought that album and your mix wasn't on it. Oh, well, never mind. <laughs> what? 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 Where is it? Uh, can I just... I'll uh, issue... You know, we were saying about... um, What do you use to put your ideas down on stuff? Phone. The, the, the iPhone dictaphone is absolutely brilliant, but I should offer one little bit of... One word of warning. So I do quite a lot in the car. If I'm driving around, I'll just put the thing on, and, uh, and there's a lot of ranting, and there's a lot of weirdness goes on. And then I synced it with my iTunes... Right. And all my voice notes ended up in iTunes, and we had really? people round for dinner. <laughs> Random playlist. And it just went straight from, you know, it was on shuffle, and it went straight from, I don't know, some, some decent track into me ranting about four-by-fours and a woman looking down on all the people she abhors and all this stuff, and it was just like, ah. Linton Crazy Spears there. Yeah, it really was, you know, it was like, yes. Um, so it was nice to see everyone this evening. That's and, uh, awesome. For coming. That's a great. That is a. That is the. Yeah. One of the. That's a great one, isn't it? That's just sort of yeah, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I think uh, if I can find a show title out of that experience somewhere, I'm going to have to try very hard because that just sounds like uh, one of those things that yeah, you got you got to watch out for that sort of stuff. It's there is so a little trick to save yourself from that, and that is if you highlight them all and then you go into the info pane and you turn them all into books, they all it they get taken out of that shuffling playlist and they think that they're, if you make them think they're audio books, they go into a different place in iTunes and don't. Ah, that's quite cool. There was just yeah. this, it was just this absolutely wonderful moment where I realised what was going on and you just can't. Chris once sent an email that he really shouldn't have done. He meant to send it to me, forward it, but he pressed Should I turn. write this? I'm really tempted and to write this. He yeah. literally chased the cable across <laughs> the room like this. And it was one of those moments where I realised it and actually so did Fry. 
There you go. Yikes. Word, yeah, that's word a good of advice. One. That is, uh, yes, that, that, that email that you're sending to somebody uh, else to say, I'm really tempted to send this to them, but I know I shouldn't. And then you realise you've actually sent it to them instead. Yeah. Very poor practice. <laughs> it only generally happens once, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, I nearly had that moment today, actually, but I'll tell you about that off air. <laughs> um, uh, the other thing, I, I know, Jem, you were saying that you were interested in talking about the, the Nine Inch Nails are coming back on stream, aren't they? There's going to be some summer dates and uh, a little bit of stadium action. Uh, All right. And, but um, Trent Reznor, pictured in it looking rather like a very aggressive banker, um, is working with Adrian Ballou, who is one of my all-time great guitar heroes and m- very massively unsung. I know Gaz uh, is a big fan of Adrian Blues. So that work Mine he too. Adrian Blues, Absolutely brilliant. awesome. Have you got some kind of um, amusing anecdote, anecdote you can tack to this topic or is it just you wanted to, to, to let us know about it? No, it was just more that it was more that kind of this, that the sort of Adrian Blue element. It's just such a kind of brilliant fusion of, of minds, you know, because he is a massively underrated guitarist. And I love what he does. I mean, like, those King Crimson albums, those sort of those early 80s ones are the definitive Crimson albums for me. Oh, yeah. And it's, and it's just that kind of, it, to have that in that kind of angry chaos that is Trent Reznor, it's just what a brilliant fusion. I'm so excited by it. Maybe you'll get him to sing as well, because he's got a great voice. Just I yeah. love that pure tone he's got. He used to play with Zappa as well. Do you know that? He had a couple of, uh, on that, is a is a signifier of how good a guitarist he must be because you don't get to play with Zappa unless you're like Steve Vai, which I believe there's a connection there with you as well. So- well, there is. It's an interesting thing with the, with the Zappa thing. It's because um, it, it kind of chatting to Steve. It's this, this weird thing. They, it's kind of it's almost like a sort of Vietnam mentality. It's almost like you weren't there, man. You weren't there. It's this, they all sort of talk about it as if it was the most stressful <laughs> period of their lives because he apparently he just you know they'd rehearse for hours and it literally was. Um, just merciless and relentless musicality, and they are all. It's the because because um, I know Mike Keneally as well, the keyboard player guitarist, who was also in Zappa's band, because I replaced him doing keys for Joe, which is how the whole thing happened. But it is kind of, it's this funny thing. So you kind of go up to them and go, Zappa. They go, they all get a bit. <laughs> Don't <laughs> remind me. <laughs> well, I've seen Zappa, I've seen Zappa a couple of times. Uh, I can't try. It's probably about the time of which too late to save a drowning a ship. Too late to save yeah. a drowning witch. That kind of period. But he still played other stuff. And frankly, he was. You know, I mean, the band were amazingly drilled. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just seemed to be a vehicle for his obsession and mania to a degree, which is kind of, you know, I mean, it's all about him and fair enough, but it, looking back on it now, I can kind of see how maybe being in that experience might have been less than pleasurable. Cause I mean, you wouldn't get, you wouldn't be, uh, you wouldn't be going out and partying and stuff because you'd be just so terrified you'd get something wrong. I mean. Yeah. I think that's what, actually, if I, if I did say that during that period, it was, he was actually very depressed. It was a very, personally, a very depressing time. And it's kind of, it's it sort of, um, it must have been just, I mean, I couldn't, I, it's just that kind of level of intensity. I'm not sure anyone could sustain it more than a couple of years. No, I mean, I guess that's why there's a turnover. I mean, it's not like the kind of early, the early days of Jimmy Carl Black and the Mothers of Invention and all that, which was the sort of more, like, almost comedy records, if you like. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Interesting. But anyway, Baloo, Baloo, Nine Inch Nails. 
Yeah. No, brilliant. And and uh, I don't know where. I think this tour we put up a news item about it today, and it was uh, it's going out sort of into 2014 and doing the doing that stuff. I know John Van Eaton, who's in the chat room from time to time, was uh, worked as uh, one of the techs uh, for. Yes, he's there today for yeah, Nine Inch that. Nails and Trent. And you know, and I'm sure it's a very similar level of focus because I mean he's he's very much in control of the whole package, but perhaps quite not quite so mad as. Um, as Frank, perhaps I don't know, or, or as detail, because the music is presumably less. Well, I, I, I am supposing an awful lot, just somewhat less uh, taxing, and the back catalogue perhaps not as gra- as as large as Zappa, which is. Um, uh, well, it's kind of interesting. I think if Baloo's in it, that kind of infers that there is music being made. There is going to be an album to support the tour, and yeah. I just think there's that kind of. I think with with somebody as kind of uh, esoteric as Baloo. What's that going to do to the Nine Inch Nails sound? That's what's exciting, I think. Well, yeah, yeah it's yeah. interesting. It's very interesting. I, I, I'm a you know, big fan of Adrian Ballou, definitely. And uh, I, I, whenever I, in fact, it's very hard to find because uh, I don't. I only have the early King Crimson stuff on vinyl, and I don't remember a lot of it coming out on CDs even. And you can't find it anywhere now. The only place to find it is on YouTube, sort of uh, ripped stuff. And I had a bit of a session listening here the other day, just cranking it up, and I just thought, God, that is great stuff. I mean, it's it's the acceptable face of 80s music in a lot of ways, uh, but purely guitar and, and obviously cybers. And you, Dave, you worked with Bruford, didn't you? So, Yeah, yeah, and I nearly worked with Blue. And, uh, yeah, but, I mean, Elephant Talk is just such a gem. You oh, can yeah. keep the early Crimson stuff as far as I'm concerned. That's for kind of, you know... Yeah, Lark's Tongue. It, well, it's, it's a great... The Lark's Tongue aspect is... Uh, it's a great album cover, isn't it? <laughs> But that's it. Yeah, and I like Bruford's work around that period. You know, the Simmons stuff was pretty creative, and it was mm. really good. Levin, and you know, I mean, it just works. It just all worked for that for that moment. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see what uh, what he's got. In fact, um, if you look on YouTube, there are some amazing acoustic versions of uh, Baloo playing some Crimson songs, and and you sort of think, oh, that's nice. And then you're thinking, hold on a minute, he's actually playing that really complicated time signature all over the neck and singing the song effortlessly at the same time. Wait a minute. And when you kind of stop and think about that, you just think, wow, that really is just sort of mind-bogglingly impressive, you know, in terms of just... It must be an alien. ...ability. It looks a bit like an alien, didn't it, at times? Yes, there are some less flattering videos of him um, also, where he was sort of sweaty and unkempt. Uh... uh, But anyway, we we were going to finish with... uh, Mark actually came up with... uh, you, you sent a link in about um, you were gi- you were giving the gerbil a treat. I was. Well, you asked that question <laughs> earlier on. You said, um, "Do you start writing music these days with piano and guitar, or you know, how do you sort of start off?" Or gerbil. So I started with a gerbil because <laughs> the other day I was with my son, putting my son to bed, and we gave the gerbil some water, and then I said, "Have you given him a treat?" And he said. Oh, no. And I pinged the bar of the cage and I was like, wow, that's a brilliant noise. And then I realized that because they're all, you know, laid out parallel like strings, that they're all very slightly different lengths and thicknesses depending on how they've been painting. So as I painted, so as I pinged across them, they're all slightly different pitches. And then I thought the microtonal aspect of this is also interesting. So I put my... Uh, zoom recorder inside the cage and plucked each of the different bars on the cage and recorded like lots of it lots of different ones and laid them out across the keyboard and i started with that 
and then I created a song around it. Hamster step, as the chat yeah, room is. Exactly, uh, is yeah. a fantastic <laughs> Hamstep. stuff. Hamstep. 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 Yeah. Hamstep. I'm liking it. <laughs> well, I, I think um, we're probably, yeah, well, it is. It's time's moved on. I want to say, that I, what I'm going to do is going to play out on that. But uh, before I do, I'm going to say goodbye and thank you to everybody. And we'll go first to Jem uh, Godfrey there in uh, East Sussex. Sorry about that. Uh, You're very welcome. Thank- it's, it's got very dark where you are, Mark. What's going on? The sun's not set with me and Dave, but you... The meat is red now. I don't know, actually. It's a nuclear winter. <laughs> I don't know what's happened there. Yeah, it has got well, dark. Thank- Thank you for having me. It's been brilliant. Uh, Any time, and thank you very much. So if you ever, I'll, I'll keep you um, dialed in on the topics, and uh, feel free to join us uh, at any time you like. It's uh, it's been a pleasure having you. And I can pick thank your you. brains on your uh, experiences as well. Um, and also we've got Dave Spears there over in um, in his synth layer. Uh, I see you've got the, the OBs back together again. Yeah, 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 that's all done and the sequence is great. I've been mucking about with this one today. I've been putting sounds in this for the Kasabian guys. What's that? Is that a six track? That's a, it's a multi-track. Multi-track. Oh. Which is kind of weird. Uh, yeah, so that's, I've been doing that. I'm having a bit of fun with that. While, while listening to the, uh, I don't even remember it was on. Oh, while the sequence has been running on that. Ah, Okay. Fantastic. Well, I've been uh, I've been editing. Uh, we we shot thirty boss pedal reviews over the weekend, so I've been editing wow. eighteen different types of distortion, which excellent in 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 single in singleness is fine. But once you get to the eighteenth, you know the DS three or the OD ten or whatever, it's just like oh, they all sound the same. But uh, no, they don't. It's got, so that's a series that's coming out. We're going to be doing one pedal every day for a month. Over March, I think, starting Friday, assuming it all goes to uh, uh, to plan. That's the idea, anyway. So, excellent. So, folks, thank. Did I say goodbye to you, Mark? I can't remember if I did. I, I will now. You didn't. I had Mark in the dark. dark. I think it's because I'm on the east coast, and you're all over there in the sort of the Bath end of the world on the west. No, you're not, though, are you? You said you're in East Sussex. I, I don't know why it's so dark. In well, Jem, you I have actually got some lights on as well. Yeah. I'll move. Please <laughs> mere details. Please mere details. <laughs> thank you very much anyway Mark Mark do you like being um, you can welcome. t tvmania.com is that what it's called no tvmaniamusic.com tvmaniamusic.com yep and uh, but in the meantime we're going to play you out with a little bit of uh, uh, gerbil rock <laughs>